0: The verse goes like this, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. I want to talk tonight about the gift of God, and the gift of God in the Bible, the holy word of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gift of God. And it's the most important thing that a person can have. There are many needs that we have as human beings. If we're depressed, we need help. Thankfully, this church has just brought on staff a well-trained spiritual fellow that I got acquainted with this weekend, and he looks well-trained and very useful. If anybody among you is feeling depressed or low or sad or blue or whatever term you use, look for Brian Parr, P-A-R-R. And he's one of the leaders here. Uh, And and he's a gifted counselor. Looks like a very kind and tender person. He and his wife counsel together when he talks to couples. uh, So, there you go. You've got good counseling here. So, tonight, I'll tell you why. This morning, if you were here, I mentioned that when I was 10 years old, my father died. I'm from Argentina, by the way. That's why the funny name and the slight accent they tell me I have. Not as strong as the Scottish, but it is there, and and it is a Spanish accent. Uh, uh, But uh, my dad died when I was only 10 years old. And if you were here, I'll just mention it to refresh your mind and also for those who weren't. My father died knowing he was dying, and he died singing a song of worship to Jesus Christ at home in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He was a young businessman, only 34 years old. I was a 10-year-old boy when he died. And my father was sent back home. That's what they did in those days in Argentina. He had bronchopneumonia, which the doctors here, I'm sure, know how to take care of quite easily now. But in those days, there was no penicillin. Uh, The World War II was going on. It was December 1944. Argentina had almost no penicillin, which apparently helps, Uh, and uh, so he was sent home. And he had, at age 24, 10 years earlier, had given his life to Jesus Christ, just as I hope that if some of you don't know him tonight, within 35 minutes, you will give your life to Jesus Christ. My father was uh, Argentinian, although he was born in Spain, uh, didn't had never read the Word of God. Uh, the religion over there in those days didn't allow it. But some Scottish and I'm sorry to tell you English missionaries came, and they got along quite well. Uh, and uh, they brought us the Word of God, and they brought us the message of Jesus Christ and the assurance and the hope of eternal life. As a little boy, attending and listening to the missionaries preaching and teaching, and we had to memorize Bible passages. One of the great emphases was in the Gospel of St. John, which is still one of my favorites. And then another one was the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And the book of St. John, uh, 92 times, uses the word believe, believe, believe. 92 times. It's so somewhat important, evidently, if in only 21 short chapters it's mentioned 92 times. And then the other thing that's a big term in the Gospel of John is life, 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 And particularly, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. And so, my father is brought home. He knows he's dying. The doctor said, we can't do anything for you. He was not foolish. He knew what was going on. He was absolutely drained from the galloping fever. His lips were broken. His face was yellow, like a yellow flower. There aren't any here, but a yellow flower. I remember the impression it left me as a little boy. And then he sat up in bed, as I told you this morning, And he began to sing a song, clapping his hands like we used to do as children in the children's church. And he sang a song that we call a Salvation Army song because the Salvation Army used to sing it in Spanish, though I found out that it's actually an English song. Anyway, he sang it three times. There's crowns up there, there's crowns up there, bright crowns for you and me, and so. Anyway, his head fell on the pillow after singing it three times, exhausted, he pointed up to heaven, and he said, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And it's a, it's a quotation from the Word of God. And a few moments later, my father went to be with the Lord. And I thought to myself as a 10-year-old, that's the way to die, you know? All of us have to die, unfortunately. It's not the number one pleasure in life. But if you're going to die, and we are, this is the way to go. Knowing where you're going, knowing and being able to sing and even quote the promises of God, and then go to be with the Lord. And even though officially I wasn't a believer in Jesus yet, I hadn't made a commitment to Christ. Nevertheless, as a little boy, I thought, I want the whole world to go to eternity like this, knowing where they're going with the assurance of eternal life. And so tonight, I want to talk about that for two other reasons. One of them was, uh, I'm reading a passage in a second from the Bible, but be patient with me. I like to do long introductions. That's the Latin way, you know. I know the Anglos go straight to it, but we Latins, we like to build a relationship and, you know, get you looking intelligent and smiling and being with me so I can communicate, you know. But uh, we were in a festival. Uh, we call them festivals now in Santa Cruz, California. And there was a youth emphasis and there was youthful music and Uh, uh, clapping, and and all sorts of things. And um, then that night, I presented the claims of Jesus Christ. It was the week of the Twin Towers in New York. So everybody was very nervous. There was uh, all these people who had died, you know, and the nation was practically in mourning, I was invited to go to Washington. I got on a plane with one of my friends. The plane was empty except for a Chinese delegation uh, that was there coming to visit the government. And that was it. And everybody was nervous. You know, is the plane going to blow up? What tower are we going to hit next? Am I going to be on the plane? Oh, it was quite a time. And. Uh, But uh, that night, uh, I presented the claims of Christ. A good number of young people in particular, although they were adults also, gave their lives to Christ, and we talked with them and prayed with them, like we could do tonight if you give your life to Christ. Uh, And then that night, because of the, the police and the city of Santa Cruz, and it was on the beach, there was a family by the name of Wagner who were assigned to be sure with a group of people that the beach was spotlessly clean once the evening was over. So about 11 o'clock at night, they they picked up every piece, every can, every piece of paper, the beach was clean. They got into their little car with two teenage girls who were 16 and 14, the father and mother, Mr. and Mrs. Wagner. So they got in the car, were driving home about six miles away from the beach was their house. And as they were going home at about 11.05 or so, I heard the next morning, because I didn't find out till the morning, one of my team members called me up and said, Luis, something horrible happened last night. I think you want to go to the hospital. Let's go see this family. What happened was, as they were driving home, dad and mom and the 16-year-old girls, uh, a drunken woman driving a big SUV did not stop at a stop sign, crashed into their car. The two sweet girls were killed on the spot, The dad was seriously hurt. The mother, pretty bad, but not as badly. So we did. Jumped in the car, went to hospital, and the nurses said to me, well, the dad you can't talk to. He's out of it. His head is like double in size, and he's not in good shape. The mother maybe can talk to you. You can go in and say hello. So I did. And I went in, and uh, she looked like she was passed out. But I took her hand, and when I took her hand, she looked up and said, Luis, you're here. I said, yes. She said, did you hear what happened last night? I said, yes, I did, Mrs. Wagner. I hadn't met them at this point, but she knew me because of being up on the platform. And uh, she said, did you know that the girls died last night? I said, yes. That's why I came to see you, to pray with you, and, you know, pray with you. She said, Luis, before we pray, think of this. Last night, the girls saw the face of Jesus For the first time in their lives and she said and to think that they beat us to it we thought we would go first because we're older and they got there first and i thought what a reaction i thought this is the beauty of knowing that you have eternal life in jesus christ you know it's a horrible moment but on the other hand it's so true The girls were with Jesus Christ, and they saw His face for the first time last night, and they're there forever, of course. Now, that got me thinking about tonight. And then a last one, and I'm coming to the Bible, don't leave, you know. Uh, One of of my sons that I mentioned this morning, Andrew, he was sort of not the rebel, but he was the non-believer till age 27. And at age 27, he really gave his life to Christ, received forgiveness of sins, the assurance that he's a child of God, married this Jamaican Jewish Christian. Some other day I'll tell you about that. It's too complicated, but she is Jewish, Jamaican, and happens to be a true believer in Christ. They got married. They got two boys, and then they, because the parents are quite well-off business people, they, uh, they um, uh, go back every Christmas to Jamaica. Uh, because they live in Portland where we live, so we see them all year long. So at Christmas and a few other times they go to Jamaica. Two years ago Christmas, uh, they were flying American Airlines landing in Kingston. There was a big storm and I didn't know it. I was at home, it was the 23rd of December. And at 9.30 or so West Coast time, I get a call and Andrew is on the phone. He says, Dad, there's been an accident, but don't worry. We're all okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, how okay are you? And what was the accident? He said, well, (laughs) uh, the plane crashed. I said, okay, tell me the truth. What happened? She said, he said, dad, I hit my head. I'm bleeding a little bit. But his father-in-law was taking him to the hospital he said, Wendy's fine, the children are fine, and I, I I said, what happened? And then we saw her, he said, tell mom everything's okay. She's going to see it on television, tell her everything is okay. You know, he knows mother can get, you know, and although she's Norwegian, she can get quite excitable. And uh, so what happened was, the storm was violent, as Caribbean storms can be if you've been there, and uh, the, the, the airport, the plane was going around and around, and, and finally, apparently, The the pilot said, we're going to land. Later they found out that the tower said, go in the other direction against the wind. The pilot said, I've gone around enough. He went with the wind behind him. Andrew has flown enough times that he realized right off the bat, as soon as it hit the ground, the the Jamaicans tend to applaud as soon as a plane lands. They always applaud. Several nations do that. They started applauding, and Andrew said, this plane is not going to make it. He sensed it. You know, He landed in the middle of the runway. 2,000 feet too far, and so he said to his, one of his boys was next to him, John John. He said, John John, have you got your seatbelt? Hang on. He turns and says to his wife, tighten up your seatbelt. Boom, at that moment it hit. And what had happened was, it was like, if this was the end of the runway, there was a highway underneath. On the other side, there was a mound of rocks and sand, and on the other side is the Caribbean Sea. The plane belly flopped down here went over the highway it ripped the run the 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 landing gear was all ripped off and the plane belly flopped like when you jump poorly in a pool you know like a frog you know the plane just landed boom like this and if you saw the photos i thought i brought them but i didn't i would have shown them on the screen but andrew calls me up and i thought wow they could have died. I mean, most crashes like that. No one was hurt. It was amazing, you know. Some people said, hey, the Lord protected them because Andrew was on the plane. Then they found out there was 12 other preachers on the plane. So, it wasn't just Andrew, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, people have these illusions. And uh, so, uh, I thought, yeah, if he'd have died, he would have gone to be with the Lord. Because Andrew and Wendy and the boys all trust Jesus Christ. So that's what got me thinking tonight. So I want to talk to you about the gift of God and keep it as clear and simple. Those of you who know Christ, you'll rejoice. You know, there was an old hymn. Nobody sings them. Well, you sing them, yeah. Over here, this church does. Most places, they don't sing. Tell me the old, old story. For those who know it best, want to hear it like the rest. You know, you never get tired of the good news of Jesus Christ. So. If you got your Bible still, you thought I was just going to tell stories. No, uh, 1 John chapter 5. It's almost at the back of the Bible. I don't know the page because I don't have the, uh, the same uh, print job that you have. But 1 John chapter 5. And let's look at uh, these beautiful verses that match the reading that, uh, that Brian did a few moments ago. Uh, and in the house of the Lord I shall dwell forever. So, look at verse 10 of 1 John chapter 5. And listen to the Word of the Lord. It's so clear, so simple, so powerful. And this is what it says. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Now, keep a finger there if you don't mind. Let's go back to the Gospel of John that the lady read a few minutes ago in John chapter 10. And look at just two or three verses that she didn't read but were very close to reading there. John chapter 10, and look at what he says about the sheep, which matches Psalm 23. Verse 22, this is really key, so I'll read it slowly so that uh, we won't skip any of the meeting. John 10, verse 22, 27, excuse me, 27. My sheep, Jesus is speaking, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then one last reading, okay? Chapter 1 of John, and it's famous verses many of you know off by heart. I know you've memorized them, but let's read it again. Chapter one of Saint John, the Gospel of Saint John, and verse um, three, excuse me, eight. I can see, but I got it all marked up. It's not that like I've lost my sight. I'm in the process, but I haven't lost it. Okay, uh, verse. Uh, let's make it verse nine, shall we? All right. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. And yet, to all who received Him, who believe in His name, He gives them the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God." Okay, so I'm going back to 1 John chapter 5. There are three points I want to make from these passages. First of all, very plainly, God has given us eternal life. My dear friends, whether you've known Jesus Christ like I have now since I was 12 years old, that's when I received eternal life. And now I'm a 77, no, 76 and 10-month-old grandpa. I'm going to be 77 on November. I'm a grandpa. All these years... I've known I've had eternal life. Since that night, an evening like this one, I opened my heart to Jesus Christ. And I've got eternal life. Why? Because God has given us eternal life. I believed in Him. I trusted Him. I opened my heart to Him. I invited Him into my life. And from that night, I know I have eternal life, just like my father did. Like the two teenage girls who died that night, by the way, they were real believers in the Lord Jesus. That's why the mother could say without question, they saw the face of Jesus for the first time. And then my son and Wendy, they were ready. And I'm ready. And the question is, are you ready? Do you have the assurance of eternal life? If you do, sing and praise and dance all the way home. But if you don't, think about it tonight and say, do I have eternal life? Do I know that I have eternal life? And you know, the, the question is, he, sa- he goes on to say, God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know, someone could say, as many people say today, well, uh, why, uh, why in His Son? Why, uh, why Jesus Christ? Why couldn't it be some other religious person? Why couldn't it be some other religion? And that's a fair question. First of all, it, it's in His Son, Because uh, God has determined that it should be that way. God has said, eternal life is to be found in my son. If you want eternal life, it's a free gift. It's all yours in my son, Jesus Christ. But the second reason is not only that God has determined it, the second reason Jesus Christ uh, can only give eternal life, and nobody else really offers it, by the way, the assurance of eternal life, nobody but Jesus Christ offers it, is because he is the only one who paid for the problem of sin on the cross of Calvary. To be able to have eternal life, all of us, even instinctively, even if we don't know the Bible because we haven't had a chance to read it, we know instinctively that the problem of guilt and sin has to be dealt with. Some people deal with the problem of sin by saying, there's no God, so forget the whole sin thing. But in their conscience, they know the problem of sin has to be dealt with. Rudyard Kipling Sorry to tell you it was English. Uh, He said, nothing is ever settled until it is settled right. Very profound. Nothing is ever settled until it is settled right. And the problem of guilt and sin can only be settled right through the cross of Jesus Christ. Where God the Father, our creator, who made us to enjoy a perfect life and a holy life and a wonderful life. because we failed him and sinned against him, had to deal with the problem of our guilt and our failure and our sin. And he did. And he did it to perfection on the cross. So, therefore, St. Paul says, or St. Peter says in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous in place of the unrighteous to bring us to God. So, he did it. He did it on the cross. That's why we sing a lot about the cross, That's why we are shaken by the cross. That's why we remember it. But the cross isn't just the dying, because you know Jesus Christ was crucified and buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead. And Jesus is alive tonight, and he's here with us, speaking to our hearts, blessing us, reminding us for those who know him, and speaking to you if you still don't know him. And he says to you, God has determined that through the cross, sin must be dealt with. And you know, sin is a serious business. First, it's an insult to God, our Creator. When we sin and we know we're sinning, it's like spitting in the face of God and saying, God, I know it's wrong, but I don't give a rip on you. And we're really spitting on Him when we say, I'm going to do it anyway, even though I know it's wrong. Whatever it may be, and each one has his own story. You know, in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah that was read a few minutes ago, or this morning or something, sometime. It says, all we like sheep have got astray. Each one has gone his own way, but God laid on him the sins of us all. We all have our little story, we all have our background, we all have skeletons in the closet that we hope nobody finds out, especially our mother-in-law, and you know, I mean, we all have a story, let's face it. And uh, uh, we all have said, Somerset Maugham, another Britisher, I won't identify him any further. Uh, he said, "If words almost identical to this, and it impacted me when I read it. If I wrote down every thought I've ever thought, and every deed I've ever done, people would call me a monster of depravity. Whew, think about that. When I read it, I thought, yeah if I wrote every thought I've ever thought and every deed I've ever done, you would chase me out of this church, I can tell you that. And now that I'm old, I can say it. Even if you grannies, though you look holy, if you wrote down every thought you've ever had, granny, I can speak because I'm a grandpa married to a granny with 12 grandchildren. Granny, if you wrote down every thought you've ever thought, think about it, and every deed you've ever done and published it, It'd probably be a bestseller at London's Heathrow Airport, you know, where people love to read nasty books. Because let's face it, if we're going to be honest, we've all thought stuff we should never think, and we're ashamed of it. But what are you going to do with it? Shame isn't enough. You've got to get rid of it and thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where you can unload the whole package, and you can be truthful and honest. And nothing is ever settled till it's settled right. At the cross, it can be settled right. You can walk out of here with the absolute assurance. It's all forgiven. You're a new person. You're a child of God. Your conscience is clear. You can meet God without any sense of shame because the blood of Jesus Christ purifies from all sin. And that's what he did on the cross. So, whoever has the Son of God, he goes on to say, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, eternal life is not something we get when we die. Eternal life is Jesus Christ living in us now. So, when we believe in Him, we're really receiving Him. And when you do that, He gives you eternal life now, today. So, the big question is, have you received Jesus Christ? Do you have Him, or are you still pondering it and thinking about it? He says, whoever has the Son has life. I've had life eternal life since I was 12, because that was the night on February 14, 1947, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I've had eternal life, and I know that I will go to be with Him forever. But the beautiful thing it says, he who has the Son of God has life. We read a passage a little earlier, somebody read it, where Jesus Christ says, the thief, which is Satan, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And you know, when you look around the world today, Satan is having a field day, stealing, killing, and destroying. Think how many families are broken up. In the UK, it's about the same as the USA, Canada, most of the Western world, so-called. About 50% of all marriages are destroyed and although people try to explain it and justify that it was best for the kids and da 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 the fact is that we all know it's painful it's sad it's heartbreaking it was never meant to be so why does it happen i think we don't realize the power of satan to influence us to solve everything by breaking up think of all the boys and girls floating around the world who never get to see their dad Once I was in El Paso, Texas, which is in southern USA, and we were having a festival. And we had a television program where people would call in. And I was talking, answering questions that if a person showed a desire to open their heart to Christ, I would lead them right there on TV to pray and receive Christ. And I was talking some day, somebody called me about gangs and drugs. So I was answering and then a, 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 a phone call came in from a boy that sounded like a girl, you know, 12-year-old boys sometimes sound, yeah, 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 you know, they sound like girls still. And uh, at first I thought it was a girl, and she, he said, uh, I called a she, and it was bad, but it was a boy, but he, he didn't hang up on me, and uh, I, he said, you were talking about gangs and this and that. He said, I belong to a gang. Uh, I said, oh, uh, what do you boys do in the gang? When I caught on, he was a boy. And uh, he said, well, we, we have a gang to protect ourselves. I said, protect yourselves from what? We're on TV, live, on the phone. He said, from bullies in, high school, in the school and from bullies in the neighborhood. Because nobody there to protect us. I said, what do you call your gang? He said, the fatherless gang. Because none of us have a dad and bullies take advantage of us. So I said, how many boys are in the gang? He said, about 400 in a town called Las Cruces, New Mexico. And so I was so intrigued. I said, would you come tomorrow night? you think somebody can bring you? And he said, yes, I can come. I met him. He was a little you know, 12-year-old that hasn't yet seen the girls and all that. You know, He doesn't comb his hair yet. And uh, so he was a beautiful little fellow. And he was hungry for God. He didn't have a dad. And I had said on TV, God becomes your father when you receive Jesus Christ. He said, I want God as my father. And you know, there's a fellow in England called Matt Redman. He's written some of the best worship songs that we often sing. He came when we were at QPR many years ago in 1983, 84. He came with his mother. His dad had shot himself, killed himself. He was an alcoholic. He was abusive. The mother remarried. And again, she married another fellow that drank too much and beat up on her and abused dear Matt, who was a little teenage boy. That night, I was preaching on Jesus Christ becoming our Savior and God becoming our Father. And he says in one DVD that we have when he's telling his story, he said, I heard that and I said, that's the father I want. My father took his own life. My stepfather, he beats up on me and abuses me. I need God. And that night, as a 10-year-old boy... He opened his heart to Jesus Christ. Now he's like 38, married, five children. You'd never know his past, but he needed the Lord. And you know, Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy. Think how many beautiful, I was looking at a baby girl uh, today. There was a pile of babies here. Goodness, what a young congregation, babies everywhere, you know. And you look at a little baby girl or a little baby boy, and I I get all teary-eyed when you dedicate a baby to the Lord because I think the potential in this life, and yet how often when they get to be 13 and 15 and 17, poof, you know, they become a real problem and create problems for themselves. And so many who could be beautiful, innocent, and lovely children become messed up because the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And you know, dear friends, the enemy of our souls is real. I know many people say, ha, 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 read the paper alone. Look at the TV news. Look around your neighborhood to people you know. How many destroyed lives? How many destroyed people? Because and we, and intelligent people, well, I won't give you more details, but a fellow in the city where I live had messed up big time, and his name was all over the press. He's one of the most famous people in our city of a million and a half people. And, uh, hey, they were saying, you know, resign, get out of here, and so on. So I met with him privately. And uh, I said, you know, I want to meet with you. Everybody's kicking you around. I want to be your friend. And uh, so he said, why? He said, why? I'm smart. I've got a good education. I've been in politics all my life. I'm not stupid. Why did I do it? Why did I do it? He had an affair with somebody he shouldn't have had, and it all blew up. Somebody underage. rage. I said, you really want to know? He said, yes. I said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, know the heart. I thought he'd punch me. But instead, as I was quoting, because that's a verse from the Word of God in Jeremiah 19. As I was quoting, he kept saying, that's me, that's me, that's me. I said, let me quote it again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And he kept saying, why? Why? And I was able to explain to him how Jesus Christ will come in and take away the guilt and the shame and the memories and forgive us and help us to start all over again. So, what does it say here? Whoever has the Son of God has life. But, the other side of the coin, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, it couldn't be much simpler, can it? It's very simple. If tonight I were to ask you, don't, don't worry, I'm not going to come down and ask you. I'd like to, but I won't. Uh, if I were to ask you, do you have the Son of God or don't you? If you do, you can be sure that you have eternal life. If you don't, why not? Why not tonight? Why not say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, forgive me, change me, come into my heart. Now, some people say, well, how do you know that you have the Son of God? Two things. First, it's in the book, in the Word of God. Very clearly. Like I've just read several repeated promises. If you have the Son of God, you have life. I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. God has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. It's the gift. But on the other hand, you know what happens when you receive Christ? The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. And the Bible says, and it's true, because those of us who've known him know, the Holy Spirit, listen to this, gives witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. So how do we know? We know because in the document, it's there in writing, promise 2,000 years ago. But we also know it because when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. And when he comes, he says to you, Charlie, you are my child you are mine forever i have given you eternal life rest on that and don't worry anymore he says it to me i've got it confirmed in my heart the holy spirit confirms what the bible says i have eternal life since i was 12 years old do you have that assurance oh how do you know that you have Jesus Christ? One day somebody asked me, and I said, it's as if you asked me, are you married to Pat Schofield, yes or no? Now, I've been married to her for 50 years, I want to tell you. August 5, it's confirmed, it's in writing. And uh, if you said to me, are you married to Pat Schofield? We have four sons. And if I said to you, well, you know, I'm not too sure. You'd say, are you crazy or what? You know, I mean, are you married or aren't you married? You've lived with her for 50 years. You've got four children. You're old, the two of you. Are you married? Of course I am. How do I know? Well, I'll tell you how I know. In our church in Oregon, uh, there's a church sort of like this one, a little larger. But uh, you, the wife, the wife, the hopeful wife, uh, dresses in white. That's a big deal. And uh, you dress in a monkey suit that hardly fits you, and you feel you're choking. And you walk in with all your four friends who stand by you so you won't run away uh, before the, the ceremony. And, uh, and she comes in on the arm of her father, who was alive then. And she, they usually come in slowly as to torture the man. You know, they, they, they don't walk in jolly, you know, say, hey, hello, everybody. They come like it's a procession, you know, like it's a burial ceremony. And they sort of look sideways. The, hus- the dad looks terrible, but the, the wife looks sort of happy. And uh, you're trembling there, you know. Finally, after an endless march, she arrives. Uh, Who gives this man blah, 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 the minister says, and the father says, I do. And he sits down, thankfully. So then you come around, and you grab her arm, and you stand before this awesome man that feels like he's 10 feet tall. And uh, he tells you a few things, asks you a few questions. Do you, Louise, take this woman to be your lawfully married wife? I've got it memorized. I had to. Uh, you know, to love and to hold in sickness and in health for richer, for poor, and keeping yourself from all others, be faithful only to her. You're supposed to say, I do. And if you don't, he shakes your head, you know. Yeah, I do, I do. So then he says to the wife, similar thing, you take this man from Argentina, what made you marry him? I don't know, but hey, you take him as your lawfully married husband to love and to care in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, keeping yourself from all other daughter. I do. Well, after a few more tinkling around, he makes you stand up, turns you around, and he says, I declare you husband and wife before God and this congregation. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you to Luis and Empatola. You may kiss the bride like you never kissed her before, you know? You may (laughs) kiss the bride. So you kiss the bride because the man said kiss her. And uh, so then you walk out, you go to the back, you sign a paper, And uh, they take your picture, you eat some cake, and off you go to some hotel or something. Now, I know I'm married to Pat Schofield because I said yes, she said yes, we signed the papers, and we've been somewhat happy for 50 years. At the end, it gets quite nebulous, but you're still, you know, how do I know I'm married to Pat Schofield? Because I said yes 50 years ago, August 5, 1961, unforgettable day. And you know if you've received Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you remember the date. Billy Graham's wife said, I've loved Jesus since I was a little girl. I never know when I cross the line from being outside to being inside the kingdom of God. But I know that I believe Him and I trust Him and I know that I have eternal life. So my question to you is my cheerful duty to ask you, do you have the Son of God in your heart? Do you have eternal life? If I were to ask you, could you stand up and say, yes, I do. I believe, and I have received him, and I have eternal life. So the question you might have is, how can I have the Son of God? How can I be sure? That's why we read John chapter 1. It says, he came to his own, but his own did not acknowledge him, and did not receive him. There are people who choose not to believe in him. There are people who choose not to receive him and choose even to this day. And even though they know about Jesus Christ, and they've read about Him, and they've seen people's lives change, somehow they say, no, thank you. And you know, that's their privilege. If they want to say no, it self-condemns, but there, there is a choice. But then he goes on to say, but to all those who receive Him, who believe in His name, He gives them power to become children of God. So, He calls on you to acknowledge your sinfulness, and to believe in Him and receive Him by faith. And when you do, it's as sure a surer thing as saying yes the day you get married, signing the piece of paper, and from then on, you are husband and wife, no matter what anybody says. Have you made that decision? Could you really say, yes, I have believed in Jesus Christ, I have received Him by faith, I've signed on the dotted line, so to speak. I know I belong to Him. It's as simple as that. It's so basic. It's so easy. You know, you remember that on the cross, I I, I know I got to finish, but I I carried on a bit too long. But you remember that on the cross of Jesus Christ, there was a thief on the right and a thief on the left, and uh, both insulted Christ, mocked Him. They said, if you're the Son of God, why don't you come down from the cross and get us off the cross? If you're the Messiah, the Savior, go ahead, do it. And they mocked him. Others spat on him, insulted him, even religious people. And then something strange happened. You remember? One of the two thieves, probably after it became dark as midnight at noon, from noon to 3 p.m., he says, rebukes his old friend. They were both criminals, and they were dying for their evil behavior. He says to them, how can you insult this He'd been doing it himself. But suddenly he says, how can you insult this man? He's done nothing wrong. We are getting what we deserve, buddy. And then he turns to Jesus. You remember? He's on the cross next to him. Jesus is in the middle. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom? So he knew a little bit about who Jesus might be and that there was a kingdom that he would come, which he will. And you know, It's one of these deathbed conversions, as they call them, you know? If it was me, I'll be honest. I'm going to say something that will probably shock some of you, but it's all right. I don't ever have to come back. Uh, If it was me on the cross, I would have said to that thief, you little crook, you're a murderer, you're a thief, you conniving little weasel, and just before you die, you want me to forgive you and take you to heaven? I would have probably said, no, you deserve to go the other place. Go there. But not Jesus Christ. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. A few hours later, that fellow was dead. The Romans made sure he was dead. They broke his legs, you know, and he died. But he went to be with Christ in paradise. And he never went to church. There were no churches then. He never got baptized, he never did communion, he didn't go to confession, he never read the Bible, as far as we know, but he was forgiven, because somehow, something changed in his heart, and from being a cynic and a mocker, suddenly he says, Jesus, remember me. He was humble enough to say, maybe I have a chance. But Jesus saw that he had an honest heart, and he said, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. Have you ever had that moment in your life? Have you ever said to Jesus Christ, Yes, Lord, I surrender, I repent, I believe you, I receive you. That's the moment when you become a child of God. You receive eternal life. And he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And you know, I read just the last promise because it's one of my favorites and I want you to take it home. In John 10, 27, 28, Jesus Christ says, the Son of God, says, I give them eternal life. Number two, they shall never perish. Number three, no one can snatch them out of my hands. Man, I like that. Triple assurance in just one Bible verse. I give them eternal life. A gift is something you receive. You don't pay for it, you don't work for it, you don't offer to do something about it, if you're really, you say, thank you. Yes, I receive Jesus Christ. To all those who receive it, he gives them power to become children of God. So, he gives you eternal life. And then he says, you will never perish. Don't worry. You'll never go to hell. You will never have to pay for your sins, and I won't either. The moment you receive him, you are forever saved. And then, no one can snatch you out of my hands that's pretty safe and then just for double security he goes on to say the father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand it doesn't get better than this it's impossible you have eternal life because you have Jesus Christ he gives you eternal life it's a gift you'll never perish and no one not Satan, not the world, not the flesh not the Satan, not the atheist, not a Oxford professor who mocks God, like one or two that we know. Nobody can snatch you out of his hands. They can dance around and make fun of you. Let them do it. You have eternal life, and you know it because Christ lives in your heart. And you know, it's beautiful to see how many people—I've been in 76 countries, I think. We have had festivals in all sorts of parts of the world, Middle East, Asia, South America, Africa— Europe, Asia, and people of all backgrounds, they are longing for eternal life. They long to know, how can I be sure that my sins are... How can I know that I'm going to heaven when I die? And the assurance comes when you open your heart to Christ. I wish I had time to give you more illustrations, but I won't out of love to you and to our friendship. But you know, when you receive Christ, you know God. And you know that you know that you have eternal life and you know that no one can snatch you out of his hands, no matter how hard they may try, you will have the assurance of eternal life. But that decision comes when you make your own commitment. Nobody can do it for you. No religious person can do it for you. Not even your father or your mother, granny or grandpa, brother or sister, minister, pastor, priest. Only you can receive Jesus Christ by faith and then have the assurance of eternal life. So, if you've never made your decision, you can know that you can have the guarantee when the Lord says, I give you eternal life. You will never perish. No one can snatch you out of my hands. Whoever has the Son of God has life. Do you have the Son of God? And if you don't, would you like to give your heart to Him tonight? Why don't we do this? I'd like to help you to make that decision. Um, I've been able to help many people. At that moment of decision is the moment that many people are not sure what to do. So the best way I know how to do it is to lead you in a prayer in which you confess to Jesus Christ that you believe him, that you trust him, that you admit that you need him, and you open your heart by faith and you receive him. And the scripture said, I didn't say it, to all those who receive him who believe in his name. He gives you the power to become a child of God. And he says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at your door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and if you've heard the voice of God tonight in your soul, if you hear my voice and open the door, you open the door to your heart, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. I feel the Lord is saying, we'll have a party that will never end. I will come into your life. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We are bound together. Whoever joins himself to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. You join, and you receive eternal life and the divine nature. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Would that be all right? Let's bow our heads before God Almighty. And for those of you, dear friends, who have never had this moment of commitment Why not, in your heart, even right now, open your heart to Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Confess with your lips that He's your Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you, tonight, will have eternal life forever. Let me guide you in a prayer. You can pray it quietly in your heart. You don't have to pray out loud unless you want to. But receive Him into your life, and you will never regret it. And you'll never forget this day at St. Peter's Church. Oh God, my Father, thank You for speaking to my spirit and my conscience tonight. I thank You that You created me in the first place. I thank you that you are so merciful to me that in spite of my sinfulness, you sent your one and only Son to die on the cross for me and for the sins of the whole world. And tonight, Lord Jesus, I confess with my lips Jesus is my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and therefore I have eternal life. Thank you, Father. I'm yours forever. And one day, Lord Jesus, I shall see you face to face forever worship you and oh lord while i'm on earth i will serve you and obey you with the power of the holy spirit and i thank you in christ's name amen amen you've been listening to a sermon from saint peter's free church in dundee the historic church of robert murray mcshane for more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk That's www.stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, as well as Christian commentary on the latest current affairs in Scotland, please visit the website of Solus the Centre for Public Christianity at solace-cpc.org Once again, that's wwwsolus cpcorg Thanks for listening.